L'chaim, l'chaim, l'zerikir ha'ashir, in honor of David, in honor of his new spirit fillin, David Afel, Baruch Hashem, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, very exciting, and also, it's very appropriate that today is the day that you have a pair of tefillin, because today is Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday, Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site, so it's a very great present from Moshe Rabbeinu, and to Moshe Rabbeinu, and to Kosh Baruch Hu, L'chaim, Baruch I want to tell you at the end the story about Moshe Rabbeinu, we have to tell you on top of the end of this year, I don't know if you'll make it then, but we'll, we'll try. L'chaim, L'chaim, Baruch Maboker and Mekir. Anyways, so, so um, this Shabbat we remember Amalek. The Shabbat has a name. They're not every Shabbat has a name. This Shabbat has a name. It's called Zachor to remember. We always remember Amalek before Purim. Next week is Purim, and the week before Purim, the Shabbat before Purim, we remember Amalek. There's something about remembering Amalek which is parallel to what Purim is about. Purim is a day of the greatest joy. Joy ad beyond all logic and reason. But the opposite of Purim is Amalek. Amalek tries to take all the joy and all the happiness and all the good feeling out of us. Tries to remove all good feelings from us. So in order to get to Purim, the Torah tells us first, before you get to Purim, you have to remember Amalek. We need to understand who is Amalek and how do we get rid of him. Why is it so important that the Torah tells us to do this every single year? There are, unfortunately, so many different anti-Semites who have come against us in history. And the question is, why is he singled out? Every nation in the world has had its story with the Jews. And only a Amalek is singled out with this, with this classification, remember what he did to you, and don't forget, and destroy them. Why? So, the simple reason is, all the nations, when they tried to destroy us, there was a motive. The Egyptians were wanted to destroy us because they were afraid that we would outnumber them and take over their country. And similar things with other nations, that there was some other thing there. But the reason Amalek attacked us, think about the seven nations living in Israel. They were living in Israel, and the Jews are going to come to take over their country. So, obviously, they, they, they're, they're frightened. They want to protect themselves. That makes sense. But uh, we're on the way from Egypt to Mount Sinai. We're not bothering anybody. We're on the way to get the Torah. And yet this nation comes out of the clear blue sky and says, I'm going to mess with these guys. And he starts up with us. So where, where, is that, where is that coming from? What is that about? It's because of a senseless hatred. A hatred which is beyond, which is lower than logic and reason. So it's, it's beneath logic. It's something which, which, which is just evil. Evil. And it's not a human being the Torah is against. The Torah actually says that when the Jews would go out to battle, they would, they would tell all the nations of the world, if you accept to keep the seven laws of morality, seven laws of Noah, we will make peace with you. And similarly with Amalek, Amalek had the opportunity to make peace, and yet, and yet the Torah is, tells us to remember Amalek because it's about the ideology, it's about, about the meaning of Amalek. The Torah wants us to totally remove, and you have to remove this so completely, so wholly, that... In order to get to Purim. His question is, what is this? What is this senseless hatred about? We find in our generation, unfortunately, someone from Amalek, who didn't actually have such a bad history with Jews. Hitler, when he was a child, he had a Jewish doctor who he liked. He had a, when he was a, a soldier in World War I, his commander was Jewish. And uh, he actually recommended that his, uh, his commander should get the the Iron Cross or something, the special award. He wanted his commander, he liked his commander. And yet, when the Amalek in him was aroused, so then all of a sudden he completely 
irrationally. He said such, such stunning things. One of the things he said was, sometimes to understand who you are, you have to go to your enemies to figure out who you are. What did he say about the Jews? He said, the Jews, they say that we're barbaric, Hitler said. But I don't care, I think barbaric is a good thing. He says, the Jews, they exemplify morality and justice and goodness and holiness in this world, and they are the curse of civilization. We have to remove them. And even he said, if there's one country which has one Jewish family, that family, and he, even if they have only one child, that one child will be the one through whom the holiness and the goodness and the morality will seep through to poison the world. That's that. So it's something otherworldly, something subhuman about the hatred of Amalek, something which, which can't be explained. And similarly, next week, when we read about Haman, Haman didn't like Mordechai. Why? Because Mordechai didn't bow down to him. Okay? So he's against Mordechai. But what does he say? I want every single Jewish man, woman, and child to die. All of them to die. Why should they all die? Why should they all die? If, he's against, if he doesn't like Mordechai, let Mordechai die. Why does he want all of them to die? So Haman and Hitler, Yimach Shemam, they felt something about the Jew. Something that inside the Jew that bothered them. Not, not something that's rational or logical. Something that they felt in a Jew which caused and evoked this hatred. And the question is, what is this the Torah is telling us every single year, every single year, remember what Amalek did to you. And not just every year, Eitan and I and others who are sitting at this table, don't just remember Amalek every year. We say the Zechirot, the remembrances, every single day. You're supposed to remember Amalek. Some people like writing on their shoes, Amalek, so they could step on Amalek's name all day. Some people like to write it on paper, so they could rip up the paper. But what's the point? We remembered Amalek last year and the year before. Why remember him again? And the answer is, and Amalek is not just a nation. Amalek is something which is in, inside of each of us. Everyone has, unfortunately, something of Amalek. Because Amalek isn't just a uh, nation. Amalek is something that hides very well inside us and can sap out all the joy and all the happiness. What is Amalek? Sometimes we gravitate to, to solve an issue by grabbing its symptoms. The little boy goes into a supermarket and he, uh, the, the owner of the supermarket sees a kid. He, is, uh, he, pick, he puts a piece of, uh, pack of gum and puts it in his pocket. So the owner of the supermarket is like, eh, little kid, he wants a little treat. I don't care, let him have the pack of gum. The next day the kid starts sticking, sticking rib steaks into his pants and to his shirt and the guy's like, whoa, whoa, this is too much. He goes after the kid and he runs after the kid and he asks, what do you have? You have stuff in my... I don't have anything. And he, until he gets the stuff out of the kid, and he talks to the kid and comes back to the supermarket, the whole supermarket is almost empty. There was some kind of deal the kid made with, with these thieves that he's going to get the guy distracted and they're going to take, they, they take everything out of, out of the supermarket. Similar way, it's possible for people to focus on one little detail and, and to miss what's really going on. Amalek... Hmm. The Baal Shem Tov says, is America equivalent to the word safek, which means doubt? Amalek is connected to cynicism. Cynicism is a kind of energy which places everything in doubt. Who says that we should stand up for justice? Who says that Judaism is even real? Who says we have to be sensitive to other people? Who says we have to be kind? And it's not about getting an answer. The question is not about getting an answer. People who are cynical, they're not interested in an answer. Their questions are really the answer for, while, for why their behavior can stay status quo and not change. 
this kind of question, who says, this doubt, it's not, it's not a question, it's, it's a doubt. This kind of question takes the marrow out of any human feeling. Like one person said to another person who was mourning for their parent, why are you mourning for your mother? Why are you mourning for your mother? Do you think that you could bring her back? You know what kind of horrible feel, horrible things is, that is to say? That's that, what basically that's doing is saying that whatever you do doesn't have any meaning. Whatever you do doesn't have any, have any doesn't matter what you do. There's nothing that, nothing that means anything. So this, this, um, this, these kind of people who are cynical, they live in a world in which they feel they're very open-minded, and they feel that anyone who doesn't think things like them, they're the ones who are in the dark, and they live in a world that cannot change. They live in the world that is always going to be the same. That's the world that they live in. These cynical people, that's the kind of world they live in. That's the world of Amalek. And we can see in ourselves something of Amalek, Amalek, if you see in yourself that you're cold to something, you're cold to something, that frigidity, that, this coldness, it, its root is because there's a worm in your neshama, a worm in your soul, it's not allowing you to be excited about a mitzvah. Not, excited, not allowing you to... That, it's a doubt. There's some little doubt that's, that you may not even be aware of. But if you notice in yourself that you're, you're doing something, things in a cold way, your tzedakah, whatever it is, your, your Torah, your prayers, aren't with passion, where is it coming from? It's coming from this, 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 this little voice of Amalek. It's a beautiful parable, which I shared at least five times in last week. I'm going to share it with you again because you guys didn't hear it. So here we go. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing parable. After Shema day, we say the words, it is true and it is right and it is just and it is wonderful. After Shema, we say like about 15 adjectives. What's the point of all these adjectives, Eitan? You know the point of all these adjectives? All these adjectives, what's the point? Are you there? And still. So, there was a very wealthy man who was a bit of a miser. He's making a wedding for his daughter. And he didn't want everyone in his town to come to his wedding. But he could not invite them because it's a little town. Everyone comes to the weddings. So everyone's excited. This guy is ordering wine and meat and pastries. Everyone's like, wow, it's going to be such a wedding, such an amazing wedding. And he didn't want everyone to come to the wedding. So what does he do? He calls over his trusted servant. He says, listen, Yanko, when the ceremony is over and we're about to serve the feast, I want you to run into the wedding hall and scream, thieves have stolen the wedding food. So that way everyone will say, oh, there's no food, and they'll go home. So sure enough, at the height of the celebration, Yankel runs into the hall, thieves have stolen the wedding food, and everyone starts to go home. And the guy, the rich man, he sees the way that this, that, that this servant is saying this, he, he sounds too sincere, he sounds too authentic. So he asks him, between me and you, what really happened? I'm telling you, thieves have stolen the wedding food. And... He's like, yeah, I know you're supposed to say that so that everyone will leave and my, me and my family could enjoy our food ourselves. But you sound, you're scaring me. Just between me and us, I'm just whispering. Tell me what's really going on with the wedding food. I'm telling you, thieves have stolen all the wedding food. And it took a few times back and forth for them to come to the realization that he's actually sincere and this is actually what happened. And when he found out that the food was stolen, what did he do? He fainted. He fainted. So the wealthy man in our lives is the Eight Sahara, the evil inclination. The evil inclination says to you, you could daven, you could study Torah, because everyone learns, everyone studies Torah, everyone prays. But don't think when you go to pray that God really listens to you, that God really cares about you, that you're really a child of Hashem and it matters to Hashem what you say. Don't just do this because everyone else does it. Because everyone is doing mincha, we're going to do mincha. But don't say, I'm talking to Hashem and Hashem really cares about me and I'm going to say to Him what I need, because He cares about me. Don't, don't say that to yourself. 
Because you know that yourself, you know you're not a tzaddik, you know you're not special, you know this is all not, not really real, right? We're just doing this because everyone does this, don't think it's real. So you're like, okay, it's all right. we're, we're in. Just, you know, we're, I can do this, I'm going to feel bad if I don't do it, we're going to do this. But then you finish Shema, when you say Shema, sometimes you say Shema, you get a little bit smitten. Jews are smitten with Hashem. And you start getting into davening, and then you start getting into it. So when you finish Shema, your evil inclination, your Yetzirah, He's surprised. What happened in the story when the rich man found, found out that all the wedding food was stolen? He fainted. The rich man in our lives is the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. And he says to us, you're not really serious. You're not really serious. And the servant in our lives are Neshama. And after we finish Shema, the Yetzirah says to our Neshama, you aren't serious. You aren't really doing this. You don't really mean this. And we say, yes, the MS. It's Emet. It's true. The Yetzirah says, no, but, but that's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> that's in the words, in the Siddur. That's the words. In the Siddur, I know that's the word in the Siddur, but you don't really mean this. No, the Yatsi, the Nachim, the Kayim, this is real, this is true, this is the way it is. And when the evil inclination sees that we're serious, and we really mean it, he faints. That means we're able to come face to face with who we really are, and then we're able to do Shmonasri, Amidah, Lach, Hashotos, talk face to face with Hashem. That's why we see all these adjectives. This is really the way it is. The Yetzirah then faints. But Amalek is the opposite. Amalek is the one who puts in our minds, it can't be serious, it can't really mean it. My uh, friend, Rabbi Savatitsky, who I always share his stories, amazing story, he was, was inspired this Jew named Dudu to keep Shabbat. Dudu, the first Shabbat, comes to the Knesset, everything's wonderful. The next Shabbat, he comes an hour late. hour late. Dudu Makara, he says, listen, I have such a nice Mercedes. And right after I started keeping Shabbat, you know what happened to me? This truck knocked off the mirror of my Mercedes. I couldn't keep Shabbat. After I started keeping Shabbat, then Hashem does this to me. Why is he doing this to me? So, <laughs> so the next week, Dudu comes to the Knesset, not at 10.30, 11.30. What happened this week, Dudu? Dudu says, you know what happened to me this week? This car, my car's parked, and this car rams into the back of my Mercedes and ruins the back of the whole Mercedes. Okay, well, what could the rabbi say? Next Shabbat, Dudu doesn't arrive till Kiddush. Till Kiddush. But he arrives. Dudu Makara, what happened this week? Dudu says, this week, you know what I did? I stayed up all night. It's a true story. So I stayed up all night watching my car. I want to see what's going to God do to my car. What's, what's going to happen to my car? I put my couch next to my window. And I watched the car all night. What's going to happen to my car? Four o'clock in the morning, I fall asleep. I can't watch my car anymore. I wake up in the morning. Psst, everything's fine. I get out. I'm going to walk to my Knesset. And I walk past my car. I see that the whole side of the car is scratched. This yeah. car went alongside my car from the beginning to the end. From the beginning to the end of the Mercedes, is totally scratched from the side. So I'm thinking, like, I am not going to be Knesset. I am not going to be Knesset. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And I went back home. And then I remembered something. I remember something you taught us. What do you teach us? We say in Tehillim, we say in our prayers also every day, we say before Mincha, Ashrei Ha'am Shekachalo. Happy are the people Shekachalo. What Shekachalo mean? So shakacha, shakacha, the little translation means that this is their, this is their lot. It's like, it's like, it sounds like prose, like happy the people that so is their lot. Happy are the people that Hashem is their God. So he said that the word shakacha doesn't just mean that so is their lot. It's that a Jew is always able to say kacha. Kacha in Hebrew doesn't just mean this is the way it is. Kacha means this is the way it is and move out of my way. This is the way it is and no matter what, this is the way, this is the way it's going to be. Kacha, this is the way it is. So although a Jew may have all kinds of Amalek kind of voices that come into their head and all kinds of doubts, 
A Jew is the one who's able to say, Kach, I'm going to do this anyways. Yes, it doesn't make sense that after I started keeping Shabbat, this, can, this happened and that happened, doesn't make any sense, but Kach, I'm doing this anyways, doesn't matter what the reason is. That's why I came to Beknes. This is the meaning of the word Yisrael. Yisrael is the name of the Jewish people. Yisrael is, means Jew. But Yisrael also is, is numerically equivalent to another word. I told you that Amalek is numerically equivalent to the word down, safek. Amalek is one who puts doubts in our head. Amalek, a, a language of, of Amalek, very important to know his language. There's three things he says to you. Who says God means you? And even if God means you, Eitan, who says he means he wants you to study Torah at this exact moment? And who says he wants you to study Torah right, right now? First of all, who says Hashem means you? Second of all, who says he means this mitzvah you're involved in? And third of all, who says he wants this to happen right now? He's not, he's not interested in the answer. He's just interested in giving that question to you to give you that sense of, of frigidity, that sense of doubt, that sense of confusion. So a Jew has the ability, safik and safik. The miracle, the miracle equivalent of the word Yisrael of Jew, Jew equals doubt, no doubt. A Jew takes this situation of doubt and he transforms the doubt to there is no doubt. That's what a Jew is. A Jew is, you get up in the morning and, and your evil inclination says to you, why don't you just roll over a little bit? You know, roll over, go back to sleep, turn the alarm clock. Maybe you don't need to get up today. So a Jew has the ability to say, we're launching. T minus nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. We're going, and you're able to do that. You're able to do that. We're able, all able to do that. We have this shakacha. This is the way it is. That's how Hashem built us. Moshe Rabbeinu, before gathering the Jewish people in battle, he told them, tomorrow I am sending you out to battle. The word tomorrow is significant. We're talking about Amalek. Hashem is on the Erebach, famous posik. He, when he was a child, he was living in a neighborhood in Israel where everyone was religious. Everybody, the whole town was religious. And this guy, Shlemi, moved next door. And Shlemi was the only one who, sorry, my Hebrew go-to name is Shlemi. Yiddish is Yankel, Shlemi is the Hebrew one side. I already used Dudu up, right? Okay, Tishma. Shlemi is the only one who's not religious. So Mrs. Erbach, Hashem Zalman's mother, she goes over to him when he moves to the neighborhood, listen, I know you're not religious, I know you don't keep Shabbat, but the whole neighborhood keeps Shabbat. So if you're going to go and you're going to not keep Shabbat in public, it's going to ruin the atmosphere. Please, if you wanted to break Shabbat, don't do it in public. Do things in privately in your house. Guys, no problem. No problem. I'm not going to make anybody feel bad. No problem. Next, next Shabbat, she asked her son, Rav Shalom Zalman, when he was a child, go see how our neighbor is doing. See what, he, see what he's doing. See, see if he's keeping the deal. He comes back, Mom, he's not keeping the deal. What? He's not keeping the deal? She goes out and she sees, she's sitting on the porch, she's writing something on, on the paper on Shabbat. Don't we have a deal? I said, what deal? What did I do wrong? Said, don't you know you're not allowed to write on Shabbat? Not allowed to write on Shabbat? I didn't know that. I'm sorry. I thought, you know, I, 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 didn't know, I had no idea. So they have a long conversation about Shabbat. A long, long conversation. And then at the end of the conversation, the guy says to Mrs. Erbach, Rebetzin Erbach, is, you think that I don't believe in what you believe? I believe in what you believe. I'll tell you what the difference is between me and you. Tell us like this. His parents were reformed. And they moved to Israel. And when they came to Israel, he joined the army. He was in, the, in a war, I don't know which war. And in the middle of, of the war, in his battalion, all other soldiers would do Tehillim, they'd do Shachar, they, they would pray together. The other soldiers, it was like a religious group, he was only not religious, they all would take out their siddhars and they would pray to God when they were in trouble. Except for him. And it bothered him. He asked the other guys, what are you guys doing? They were praying to God. And it bothered him that he didn't have that connection. They had this connection, he didn't have this connection. So he asked other soldiers... 
like what they're, do- what they're doing, can they teach him? And he didn't feel any connection to it. He felt like this is like, it didn't speak to him. So he turned to God, and he says to God, God, give me a sign. I don't feel anything at this in what they're doing. Can you give me a sign this, that what they're doing is something I should be doing, and that this should be important to me? If you're out there, if you're out there somewhere, if, you, if it matters, can you give me a sign? And he decided he has a sign. You know, Jews, right? He also has a sign. So he says, I'm shooting the rifle right now. He's shooting, standing in active combat. He says, if in the next second a bullet will graze my finger and make it impossible for me to shoot and therefore I'll be exempt from the army, that will be my sign. I'll go straight to Yeshiva. That's what he said. Within a fraction of a second, a bullet hits that exact spot in his finger and wow. he is now exempt from the army and he decided, I'm going to go to Yeshiva, like he promised. But, he wanted to first finish university for three months. To finish university. So that's the end of the story already. That's end, that was the end of the story for our purposes. Because he delayed it, because he said tomorrow, he lost <coughs> the energy. He lost the energy. Amalek sees you excited about something. One of the best things he says to you is, doesn't, Shem doesn't mean now, Shem doesn't mean today. The trick is, the trick is that when he puts a doubt in your head, he puts that noise in your head, Nothing's going to happen tomorrow that can't happen today, unless there's a really unless you have a legitimate reason. But why tomorrow? Why is it the tomorrow thing? What is that? It's noise. It's a molly. It's not real. It's not who you are. It's just noise. So a Jew has the ability to take that ambivalence and that confusion to turn it around. Since David is staying so long, I have to, I have to go skip to the end and tell you the good story. The story is like this. There was a uh, father and a daughter who survived World War II, and they were living in France, and they received... Uh, documentation that will allow them to move to Israel. You remember the name So they're 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 on the way to Israel, and there's a lot. Of, it's a it's a it's a long journey. There's a ship. There's a train, and so the daughter hires this bachurchik. She hires this young guy to help her dad. So the guy taking care of her dad, he's carrying his suitcase, and he's moving the suitcase around, so he eventually sees what's inside the suitcase. He's helping get the suitcase. And he sees inside the suitcase, there is a pair of film. And he's helping the guy doing everything all day. And he's with him like 24-7. And he notices the guy doesn't put on film. The boy, he, the, boy, the boy puts on film, but this older man doesn't put on film. But he has film in the suitcase. So he asked the guy, like, he thought the guy was just an older guy, and he didn't want to trouble, we're going to do it later. But almost sometimes he says, hey, do you want me to help you put on film? I don't put on tefillin. So I want you to put on tefillin. Why do I put on tefillin? I don't put on tefillin because of Reuven and Levi and Baruch and Chaim and Yitzchak who all died in the war together with my wife. That's why I don't put on tefillin. I should put on tefillin? Mama, she lost <coughs> children in the Holocaust and his wife. Well, I should put on tefillin? That's what he said. The boy put on tefillin. boy put on tefillin. He didn't put on tefillin. This went on for three days. On the third day, the boy puts on tefillin. And the guy says, I want to put on tefillin. And he puts on the tefillin. And he starts to cry for 20 minutes straight. He can't come back to himself. For 20 minutes, he's crying, he's crying. The boy says, what happened? He says, listen, I realized something. I lost children, son in the Holocaust. And I realized, just like I lost, God also lost. He lost 6 million children. So I was thinking, poor God. He has all, he lost so many children. I want to do something to make him happy, to get to make him satisfied. So therefore, I'm putting on tefillin so that he should be satisfied. He should be happy. He should have nachat. This is a Jew. A Jew is able to go into a situation where there's no reason whatsoever to continue. It doesn't make any sense at all. 
and there's a suffix and there's a doubt and there's a, and, and, and all the voices in your head saying they're taking all the energy out of you and saying, hey, who says this? Why should I do this? Why is this important? You're able to turn it around and say, Ain suffix. There is no doubt. And not tomorrow, but today. You're able to say, there's Vayavarachim, Vayemahu, Hashem blessed. Yaakov blessed his children. Vayomahu, what's Vayomahu mean? He blessed his children, children to be able to say, today is the day. Today, my friends, is the day. Today is Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. Today, Mazala Gover. Today is the day that Baruch Hashem David got his own pair of film, which means that, there, that God will not only have the pleasure of seeing put on film five days a week, but six days a week, Baruch Hashem. Right? Sunday. Sunday, Monday, happy days, right? Amen. L'chaim, L'chaim. Listen, it's not just about David. All of us have stuff that... <laughs> we all know we have stuff, right? We all know we have stuff. Today is a day of Moshe's birthday. Let's do something to help the Jews in Ukraine. Another mitzvah, another word of Torah, another good thought, another good. Let's decide something. Each of us ourselves do something to add something to the world. Add Avot Yisrael. Let's make something happen today. Chaim, Chaim, Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sorry. The gematria of Kacha Shekacha is Moshe. Shekacha. Asher Kachalu Moshe Rabbeinu is one who gives us this power to have absolute clarity. This is the way it is. Asher Shekacha has Moshe. Shekacha is Moshe.